Hi, this is Zach. And this is Patrick. And welcome to Pipecast. Where we pipe up for pipes and pipe down for what? Welcome back to Pipecast 2019. It's been a minute, hasn't it? It has been a hot minute. We've been away due to personal issues. Yeah, a lot of life has happened. Yep. Uh, before we get into that, we'll just go and say happy Halloween. Well, happy Halloween, everyone. Um, you know, we, like I said, like we alluded to, we took a little bit of a hiatus, longer than what we thought, but, you know, life happens. I think the original plan was to come back in July. Yeah, that didn't happen. No. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, uh, I guess we'll get into that. So, yeah, Zach had a baby. I did. I well, know. you didn't physically have it. That would have been a sight to see. That would have been. No, I had a little girl recently, and uh, it's just pretty much taken up all my time. So we finally managed to get some stuff in the way of, uh, of uh, I guess, well, we moved some time around and then yeah. found uh, found a little niche. We're going to try to start doing this, what, once a month? Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the extra added um, hurdle that we're having to work around uh, is I... Um, which I think you may have already known this, but I got engaged, and so then I'm uh, in the process of selling my home, and I'm moving uh, about an hour away from, from where my home is now. So me and Zach still work together, but we both live 45 minutes to an hour away from work in the opposite directions. So, uh, you know, we still see each other every day, but it's hard to do a pipe cast when... <laughs> when we live in different directions. Also negotiating something like this at work is always complicated because you gotta sit down a certain amount of time and then avoid any type of work conflicts <laughs> that mm. could arise. Mm. You end up like sort of chasing your own tail trying to be like, well, I do get paid to do this, but this is what we enjoy doing. And yeah. No one else is gonna enjoy, uh, enjoy us putting a little, uh, I guess, time into it I don't know but people don't really like paying for your personal hobbies that's for sure so we avoid that at all costs yeah yeah it's uh I've, I've attempted to do uh, a podcast not really for you know public syndication or nothing like that just for my own fun around the office we tried doing that in the office and that uh proved difficult um I think that only made like six episode run yeah, six <laughs> whatever that was you had a couple uh, listeners out in Russia didn't you something random like that yeah, it was weird. Um, really weird. Um, we we won't get into that. I don't want I don't want NSA on my back or something. <laughs> the the NSA is going to be about you know this random sports podcast I did for a little bit, and the NSA is tracking you all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, speaking but, of the NSA and the CIA, yeah, uh, and Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there in case you guys are curious. Like uh, he didn't, so. If you got any questions on that, you know, feel free to not comment. Feel free not to call us. Yeah, he just didn't kill himself. That's all you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we dive too far into that realm, what are, what are you smoking? I am smoking uh, Howl of the Wind, or Howl of the Wind, I guess, is what I think uh, the Scots say. But uh, I thought this would be appropriate. Uh, little tobacco for a Halloween edition. We yeah. tried to grab go towards haunted bookshop but i think we smoke haunted bookshop so much that man like i mean haven't we talked about that enough 
Like a burly bass with like I know some verges, like good lord, like we've smoked that so much. And don't get me wrong, that's a pleasurable smoke, but I think for this occasion we decided to go with something different. We were thinking about getting that Sleepy Hollow tobacco. Yeah, that would have been great. Um, which is probably what we're going to do for the Halloween edition next year. But that is a special blend that you have to order out of Kentucky. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there were some logistical situations that we were having to contend with. Uh, just because uh, my anniversary usually hits in October and there's a bunch of other stuff that just like it's stacked and I just really didn't have a lot of extra spending money. No, so. no. And um, I think this is doing just fine. I mean, I, I've had it, I think we smoked it, what, two weeks ago? Mm -hmm. And that's the first time I've, I'd had it. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. Um, granted, I'm, I'm a little doctored up right now, so I'm tasting a good bit, but maybe not the full the full hit, but uh, it is good. And um, what are you smoking? It okay? I'm oh, sorry. I'm smoking the same thing. Just so y'all are aware, we're smoking. We're both smoking. How the wind or the wind? Um, I'm. Hey, listen. Before we we tell you what we're smoking in, we need to make a, our own Halloween blend and call it Will of the Wisp. Will of the Wisp. Yeah. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Just to give it a little extra character. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what a good southern ghost would be right now off the top of my head. I'm so drained from all these weeks they seem to be running together. October's been a, it's been it, a wild one. It's always the best month, but it's always the, the fastest. Mm -hmm. It's always jam-packed with a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, no no one weekend is 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 like free. Um, it's wild. But, um, so I am smoking a new pipe uh, to the Pipecast. This is my uh, General MacArthur style corn cob uh, that I purchased over the summer uh, just for some easy summer smoking um, and uh, you know it's smoking it real well. And I've got this little uh, full bit fern down pipe that I like. It's a pretty small fern down pipe surprisingly. They usually don't come this petite. Most of fern down spice are chunky boys like I got two others and they're giant uh, but this one I, I it sort of reminds me, if you can imagine, a um, an Oompal Dunhill. It's very reminiscent of that shape. Uh, I think the the Dunhill actually has more of a full built, where it's actually sort of a almost like a complete J shape. This is sort of has a little bit more of an up slant on the shank. Almost but, like uh, a swan. Yeah, but I mean, it's a good pipe. I mean, I like it a lot. I, I love smoke, the way it looks. Yeah, I smoke a lot of. Uh, uh, dark fired Kentucky and uh, Hallow Wind is a Virginia base with fire cured Kentucky and um, a little I bit think, of Perique. I think a little Perique, maybe a dash of Burley, but like I think I taste a lot of Virginia and it's, and it's a Virginia base and then you got the little bit of that smoke from the, you know, the Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I, love, I, I love that pipe. It, it It's more my style, that, that real small, almost, mm -hmm. almost a a nose warmer, maybe a jaw clencher. Mm -hmm. Oh man, it's nice. Um, I'm over here. I can't. I couldn't even clench this if I wanted to. This no, not that. I think it's gigantic. It looks like a honeycomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, is that right? Yeah, it looks like a honeybee comb, like a honeybee, like a beehive, like, more like a hornet's nest, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's about. I mean, it's longer than than one of my fingers. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's 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 got a yeah, big. Yeah, I mean, mold. it's easily, you know. Uh, Golly, it's got to be at least three inches down. But that is, and what is it, an inch across in diameter? Like, yeah, at, at its widest part. 
it sort of tapers down, you know, like you said, like a hive mm -hmm. kind of look. Um, is it a sitter though, or? I think it's that's too much weight on this end. If you if you so it has like a what's it, like a bamboo stem sort of mm -hmm. coming out, and then it turns into a. It might be birch. It could be birch. Yeah, that might be what it is. But then it, then it turns into a like a plastic uh, stem, and I think if you took that off, that little tip at the end, it it might be able to stand by itself. But is that tip acrylic? I think it is. It's cheap. Gotcha. It's cheap. Um, I like acrylic because it doesn't mark up that, mm -hmm. you know. So this is a Cumberland uh, vulcanite stem, and it like you, I don't even like putting it on my teeth because it just marks up so bad. You almost have to be careful with it because you're just going to end up scraping, scraping it, and creating all kinds of nasty little marks inside your bit. Like it's just awful, like right on the, uh, right on the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a nice blend. Uh, you know, getting back to it, it's. It's a smoother blend. It doesn't like, of course, this is the season you really want to be smoking a pipe anyway. Like mm -hmm. most of the time, I don't find myself reaching for the pipe. I like a corn cob pipe in the summer, but like I'm going to go for, as I said, I think before, a lot of the Lakeland tobaccos, you know, very floral, uh, like rose, things that are going to taste like dish detergent or dish soap or grandma's perfume to some mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. um, they're not. For everyone, but I do like Grouse Moore and like uh, Bob's Chocolate Flake, and some of the uh, you know blends from Godwith and Hogarth and uh, mm -hmm. Samuel Godwith. So those are really what I reach for. But ultimately, I think I go for the cigar. A pipe really only comes out fall, some uh, fall, winter, spring. Uh, as far as like a briar, I, I smoke really hot too, which is probably not a good thing. I just uh, I can't seem to stop puffing. Yeah. But as soon as winter hits, you know, I'm, uh, or fall hits, I'm reaching for two things. I'm reaching for um, uh, my pipe and nasal snuff. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much what I do during the fall and winter, especially the winter. Snuff is like sort of how I kind of keep alive during the winter. I, I, I hadn't got into the snuff yet. Now, I know my grandmother, she dipped snuff. I don't, I don't think she did the nasal, but she dipped it. And she'd spit it in like a cracker box. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. In my life. Mm. But um, yeah. yeah this is dry snuff, so you sniff it. Yes. Yeah, oh, okay. Okay. Most of it's got like a menthol. It sort of clears up your sinuses. I, that's, but it only does it for a short time because then it messes them all up. So anybody who's like, oh, I should get that. I have sinus trouble. Let me tell you, <laughs> it's going to just jack you up more than it's going to help you out at all. But uh, <laughs> if you're going to get into it, I mean, like. It's nice. I like, they have like nice fruit flavors, coffee, honey. Um, my personal favorite is by uh, Wilson of Shiro called Grand Cairo. Heavy bergamot blend. Uh, kind of, it's like, sort of like Earl Grey tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably the best snuff you can get. Mm. So, speaking of Grand Cairo. Oh, yeah. Me and the wife are talking about going to Egypt for our tenure. So that'd be in 2020? 2021. Okay, so you got a couple, a year, a little more than a year to, to get ready. Yeah, plan up. I mean, I don't want to jump, you don't want to jump into a big old trip like that, like too off, too quick. But like, well, especially. I want to do one more, yeah, since I got the little one. I, I want her to be old enough where she's not extremely difficult to manage, you know? So she'll be two when we go, because we'd like to go in the winter. 
and that at least everyone says terrible twos but I think actually threes are probably a lot worse so at least she'll be kind of mobile and a little bit more she can eat more solid foods and things uh, my parents seem like real keen on keeping her of course I'm not of the type who likes to dump on the grandparents I'm actually sort of super against that yeah I had that kid it's my responsibility to raise them but like if I could get one more vacation in with my wife I think I would enjoy that I know next December we'd like to just rent a cabin and go up to Gatlinburg for Christmas mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. not on Christmas but like the beginning of December yeah and just me her and the baby and then maybe like my parents or her mom wants to come visit that'd be one thing but like I'd like to do one more last kind of a raw vacation with her because I feel like she should probably have two good really good vacations and we sort of position ourselves to be uh, you know capable of doing that soon that's good I know you've got some big stuff coming up very yeah. soon you, yeah. you were three months out basically yeah um, the uh, 30th of December uh, me and the family uh, like my parents my uh, my fiance of course and uh, um, that's my siblings we're all going on a cruise uh, to like Cozumel I mean Progresso um, and I've never been on a cruise. Uh, my parents have never been on one. That's really the reason why we're going. Um, what cruise line? Carnival. Leaving out of New Orleans. Uh, and it's only like a five day. Um, so that should be fun. You know, I think uh, the, the sort of the added benefit, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use the money to buy no Wi-Fi plan. I'm just gonna, you know, unplug. I think that'd which, be good. Which I really don't have a problem with being unplugged anyway. I mean, I don't. That's I, what we did. We just like kind of turned everything off and just enjoyed. Yeah. Take books. Yeah, that's definitely the plan. I'm I'm probably gonna be on that deck, reading a book every day. You know, it's something about like tell you this because Carnival is. I want to kind of give you a couple of. So I did a Carnival cruise, so I'll give you a couple of little tips, maybe not super tippy, but you yeah. know what I mean. Like I'm not trying to tell you what's up, but. No, you go it's ahead. The, typically, there's uh, there's two waves of people. There are like some people who are just enjoying retirement, right? Yeah. There's yeah. really three waves: enjoying retirement, uh, and then family vacation, which you'll see a lot less of those depending on the year and stuff like that. Yeah. And then the other one is I'm here to party, like <laughs> so much party. Now I think because you're doing it at the end of December, you're going to find a lot more elderly people who are just like, I want to get away, so it's yeah. probably going to be a lot more relaxed. But those are the three types. What I find is the best is when you're on a party ship, and you'll know real quick. <laughs> your best thing, your best option, in my opinion, is to wake up before the sun rises or right at sunrise because mm-hmm. ain't no one going to be on that deck except for you. Mm-hmm. And you just take your book and just give you a cup of coffee because that bar, that buffet is usually always open. Something's yeah. always open to eat on. That's what I heard. And then you just sit out there, drink your coffee, and then... You know, you'll know about when you'll when you see one or two people, just go make you a plate and eat, and then just continue reading, and then it'll get busier, and you can either go to the pool or re, re uh, you know, uh, return to your room. Yeah, that might be when I turn when I turn into the party. Um, but now, yeah, that's probably what me and Anna are gonna do. We're just gonna read the whole trip, and uh, but yeah, then then uh, you know, we'll get we'll get back the first week of January, like January fourth, I think, fourth or fifth. And um, you want to go to that pyramid? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a Mayan pyramid. 
You want to go? I think we I think we are going to try to. I think that'd be fun to see. Yeah, oh yeah, I think so too. And um, I, I had forgotten about it, so somebody reminded me yesterday. And uh, um, but no, then then uh, Anne is going to leave like I don't know, like two or three days later, going back home to Vietnam. Um, and then I'm leaving like a week after after her, so she's gonna be there three weeks, and then I'm gonna be there two weeks, and we'll return together um, at the end of January. So it'll be my first time. Well, I guess if, since we're going to Cosmo, it'll be my second time out of the country, but you know, all in the same month. In a way, because you know, people forget like North America is North America is North America. Don't get me wrong, cultures are different, but like the difference in something so close to the United States is marginal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's language differences naturally. There's cultural differences in things. Um, there's a heavy Catholic influence in Mexico mm -hmm. and uh, drug culture. The music's a little bit different. But ultimately what you're going to find is, is that it's not particularly that much different because most of everything is a carryover from the United States because of uh, like what is it, North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, you're going to see the same commodities with variation from south of the border to the Great White North. Yeah. I mean, that's what I find. I mean, like you're not, you don't really see that much variation in like Canada. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't expect too much. It, you know, the, you know, I really wouldn't even consider it being out of the country, except that. It was, you know, said you probably want a passport in case something happens. Well, it doesn't matter because you'll be killing two birds with one stone anyway. Yeah. But, but yeah. So then, yeah, just hit, then hitting Vietnam and then, um, you know, a little bit of a break and then in October we'll get married and um, probably gonna road trip it up to Niagara Falls, go go to Canada, and the New England area, and probably spend Halloween, you know, somewhere in Boston, Salem, New York. Uh, Sleepy Hollow, somewhere up in there. Um, so that, you know, the, uh, next year will be a lot of traveling to get that out of the way. Because um, then, I, I mean, I don't know how fast the babies will come. You never know. Yeah. You know, it, it, it changes from month to month. <laughs> well, you know, uh, that clock really starts ticking around 30, 30. Oh, well, then hers is already ticking. Yeah, so, I mean, like, it's one of those things. But, I mean, it seems like you two have gotten into a lot. And by the time you roll around, I mean, heck, as much time as you'll spend in, uh, I mean, it would be nice to meet the in-laws and everything. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that will be unique. I mean, it's a little weird with that language barrier. I mean, I've already experienced it a little bit. Her, um, She has a, an aunt and a niece who have come here and, uh, they first was in Nebraska with other family, but they came down here and, you know, I'm, you know, it's, there's only a few little bit I can say and there's only a few little bit they can say, so, but, you know, that, as long as you got an interpreter there, it's fine. It's really okay for me because I don't talk a lot when I meet new people, mm -hmm. so if there's already a language difference, I got an easy out. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I'm a quiet guy. You don't have to worry about me. Mm -hmm. I ain't going to say anything. Just over here, sipping on my cognac. I don't know. What do you sip on? When? Just whenever? I guess. Shit. Uh, beer, wine, whiskey. <laughs> I'm sipping on my wine, so it's fine. Yeah, I'm just sipping on my wine. Um, but, um, but yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 
uh, might be some good traveling going on for hmm. both of us, you know, in the next few years. I hope so. Kind of like I said, just get like one of those last little last ditch things before the kids really take off. Yeah. It's crazy too. He's so much bigger already. It's fascinating. Like another thing too is how much you end up enjoying a kid. Mm -hmm. I don't even like babies. <laughs> I mean, it'd be safe to say that I I dislike babies. But as soon as I had mine, all that changed. Yeah. Well, thing that didn't change was like, uh, you know, I'm not particularly fond of getting screamed at in my face by a baby. But like, um, I definitely can handle it a lot better than if it if I never had a kid. Yeah. But kind of changed gears a little bit because we kind of done a little foray into our lives over the last couple of months. Not that anyone really cares. <laughs> but like, uh, something interesting that like Patrick and I actually. Sim almost simultaneously stumbled into. Um, oh, I don't even know where we're, where we're going with this. You will in a second. Okay. Uh, buckle your seatbelts. Yeah, buckle up, guys. Uh, oh, the last couple of months, Patrick and I, well, we've been progressively exercising and doing things, trying to, like, at least, uh, I don't know, rein in our... Fatness? I guess. That's probably the best way to describe <laughs> it. I'll let yeah. you say it, not me. Yeah. Uh, but one of the ways, what we discovered along the way uh, is uh, we got into zero drop minimalist shoes. And it's yep. like the most random thing to get involved in all at once. Yeah. Um, We're drinking the Kool-Aid. We are. We really did get involved with a cult leader that we managed to hire at our company. Yep. And he 100% <laughs> suckered us into this. And like, yeah. but the thing is, is like, it does seem like all the components to what he said made sense to me. Yeah. Well, as long as things make sense, I'm fine. Now, if there's a couple of things like I probably would jump off if it got a little too crazy. I don't like any of that. You know, your feet are close to Mother Earth and your spiritual. So, I, as soon as you start talking that mess, like I'm out. Well, I actually. Well, okay. I'm not. I'll, we'll get into it later. Now go on. I was going to say, I wasn't too big into it at first, but then I watched the video, and I'm sort of convinced, but I'm not convinced enough to, like, go buy the stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, well, there's a there's a, a running sandal. They're earth runners. They have a little copper bit on the bottom of them to keep you grounded, they say. Now, that's just propaganda, probably. But I 100% believe that's hippie, yeah. hooju crap. But, like, it just, that don't make no sense. But it... Now, now, granted, I'm only going off of this person. This person was a doctor, not a doctor of feet or anything like that, I don't think. But she, she was pregnant, she had her child, and her child just, for some reason, just cried. It was always crying the first, you know, few months, uh, you know, that she was here. Just not once ever crying unless they were sleeping. Well, one day, she was, was barefoot, and she walked out and got, you know, in their front yard, and the baby, she was holding the baby, and she must have been wearing, like, some kind of shirt where... The baby was touching her skin to skin. Mm -hmm. Baby stopped crying. And like, you know, that baby could, and this went on for a while, and that baby could be dead asleep. And then as soon as her foot touched concrete or went inside the house, baby woke up screaming. Now, you know, like I said, that's just weird. It, I mean, it's anecdotal, there's no science to it. But they did do some science trying to ground people while they slept, and mm -hmm. they, it did look like inflammation in their body went down based on the study. Um, but, you know, I mean, like I said, I, 
that's not the problem, really, in my but opinion. But a real scientist doing it, or are these hippies? It was a scientist, but... Okay. I, I, so I it's mean, not someone who's just like, yeah, man, I did a scientific experiment, like, after my liberal arts degree. Also, like, Ezekiel <laughs> bread and, like, sprout, um, bean sprouts. Like, see, that's what I always find, is that people who are really into this kind of stuff, they're just really into it, and they have all the propaganda and all the soy just, like, polluting their brains. It's yeah. just, you know, I mean, and then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're just like... Yeah, I'm moving to Jonestown, Indiana. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that. And, and, that, and that, a lot of people look at just what we're talking about, just the minimal barefoot, just normal that way. You and know? that's fun. That at least, like, I'm at least uh, 80%, you know, convinced. There's 20% that I'm like, this could be trash. Well, and see, that's the thing. I think me and you come from different angles on what we... Or, or like what sold us and what didn't and what hasn't sold us so like the the two big things that you'll hear when people talk about mental issues is the zero drop heel you know not having a heel support because mm -hmm. the theory is you know if if you needed an arch or if you needed heel a heel support you'd have been born with it mm -hmm. and you know and it sort of limits you being able to stretch out your your metatarsals and work the foot, you end up having a lazy foot right. because of it. Now that sold you, you understand that. Mm -hmm. And and I mean, I believe it, but what really sold me, and I don't I don't even think you're convinced on yet, is the second part of minimal shoe wear, and that's the wide toe box. Not 100% convinced on that. But see, to me, I'm, that convinced me, that, <coughs> that was me. what won me over first, mm -hmm. because you can visualize it. You can, I can, like, the, the, the benefits of, of going to zero drop, or over time, you should have uh, better um, your knees. If you have knee problems, that should go away. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you won't slouch as much because you, your your body's not trying to overcompensate because you're lifted and you're walking funny. It, it's not an instant like, you know, right. this is the difference. But with wide toe boxes, it's you can look this up. Just look at a natural Google a natural foot and a normal foot. Natural being how you know like you know like a some Native American tribe or something, uh, look at their feet right. and then look at our feet. And it's like an instant, like I, I can see that. I can see what they're talking about. And see, since I've been wearing my wide toes, they, I have noticed a, uh, a gap in my big toe to the, to the second toe has gotten, there was no gap before. And there, it's gradually. Yeah, it's gradually in there. And, and I got some toe spacers too. And I, mean, I don't wear them every day, but really just, just wearing these shoes and giving myself that room. And I, I got toe socks too to help with it. Uh, and that's really, you know, and I think that's, like I said, I, I'm sold on that part because to me, American shoes are mild forms of um, uh, uh, feet bonding. Hmm. I mean, it's it's. I mean, legitimate. I can see what people are saying about that. Yeah, I see. I think with me, it's just like uh, balance. Uh, I do understand like the sort of because if, if you sit on the couch for a long period of time, you become sedentary, and then you start to atrophy. Yeah. So if you create sort of a binding agent and a uh, a limiting agent for the muscles inside your foot, like they'll atrophy and become weak. Yeah. Um. So over time, if you, you know if you kind of go back to like a minimalist approach and you have to engage those muscles. And then naturally with any type of strength training and conditioning, like they will get stronger. And I am sort of experiencing that. Mm -hmm. um, Cause you're, you're, you've gone full, cause I don't run as much as you do. Mm. I, I run like and 0 I had, percent I've had to you. cut back on my running quite a bit because of, I, I think I had a bout, bout of gout 
Yeah. Which was pretty nasty. Like it pretty much like incapacitates me, which is weird because my diet is really strict now. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, like I know I'm not just talking here, but I've lost like 57 pounds over the last, since May. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's pretty significant. I'm, I've, been, I've been running about four to six miles a day, but now I'm about at two miles just because, you know, I did, it did feel like I sort of hurt my foot pretty seriously. It turned out it was just gout because, I mean, I, I couldn't even, it was so intolerable, the pain. Uh, my father pretty much described exactly what it was, and I was like, that's what it is, cool. Like, <laughs> the rich man's disease, boom, right there, like, yep. incapacitated. But, I mean, I got rid of it in a couple of days, and I'm back running again and training. Mm. But these shoes, the minimalist shoe, helps with a lot of balance inside the gym. Uh, yeah. I even run in sandals, like uh, the, uh, I don't even know what they call them. Luna? Lunas, yeah. See, I, and I got a, a version of those, and which I get, I get shit on every time I wear them. <laughs> the Zero shoes? Yes. Those zero shoes are awesome. I don't know why you're catching so much flag. Well, I, even if I had the Lunas, I would, because they have a more feminine look to them. A sandal is a sandal. Like I don't get it. Like to me, if you're wearing a thong sandal, so anything that that divides the toe from the first toe. I, I don't even know what you call it, the pointer I think, toe. I, whatever. Yeah. The first. It's the, a what do they call that? Uh, oh God. What they call that the thing? It is a toe post. The thing that's dividing them, mm. the toe post. So as long as you have something like that, I mean, I feel like that's feminine in general. Yeah, but the thing. But I mean, I like. To, to paint y'all a picture, if y'all haven't seen these type of shoes. Like, so there's several different ones. There's Lunas, there's Bedrocks, there's Zero. Uh, the the thing I think that, sell, that makes it feminine um, is that it, it, there is a thong, a toe post that comes up. But, in, but like normal flip-flops, like kind of you see like people wear on a beach or something, where it would normally just V-shape and go off to the sides, these come up a good bit and then sort of wrap around your, heat, around your ankle. But that's, the, just so you guys know, the reason they do that and the reason that is required is because if you just have the thong and you're running in them, so you can imagine it's like flip-flops. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to, you're, you're, you're tensing in your toes to keep traction you're going to face plant, so like if you have a wrap around the backside yeah. of the heel, and then through that heel, and it's a stabilizer. So like you don't actually need. Well, this is just my experience from running. Like you don't actually need anything but protection for your feet, because my feet, after a lot of running, has strengthened up enough yeah. where like they're taking care of it, well, yeah. and you stay on your toes. Now if you're crashing down on your heel, uh, it's pretty rough. Yeah, that that's the biggest thing. Um, well, before we get into that, going back to the, you know, having to, if you wear just, you know, regular old flip-flops and you're trying to keep the traction, that's, I mean, you're basically going back to the problem with having a heel. You're not stretching the metatarsals. You're not getting those out there and getting them moving. You've right. you got them condensed trying to hold that flip-flop on. So you got to have some kind of heel, heel uh, or back of the ankle uh, strap. But, but yeah, yeah, so... You know, heel striking—that's the biggest. That's the big thing, you know. And and by by having a bunch of heel support, you sort of you forego the initial pain of striking on your heel. But in the end, you'll probably—I mean—that leads to knee problems and hip problems because it, the problem is we're gonna get preachy here for a minute, which then will segue into something else I want to talk about that relates to this. The the problem is. You got to treat your feet like they're like foundation. 
And you know, if, if you've got a hip problem, if you've got a knee problem, mo more than likely you've got a foot problem. Everything's, it, it works its way up. There is like, yeah, a lot of case for that. So it's like, if I, if I can recommend anybody who's thinking about this or who's open-minded to looking into it, there is a, um, a website and they have a podcast, it's called The Foot Collective. And they're very, um, you know, I mean, I mean they're, they're, they're deep in the Kool-Aid though. So, you know, just, just be ready. Um, but I mean, they got a lot of information. They, they talk a lot about other kind of health, staying mobile, keeping mobility um, throughout the day. You know, one of the things, now I'm stealing from them talking about this, but I'm sure they don't mind. You gotta get the message out some way. Um, you know, if you're tired at the end of the day, if you want some energy, don't sit on the couch. Walk around, sit on the floor. Like, do something different than lying down like that. And you'll, your energy will pick up. Oh, that's true. And it's one crazy. of the like the lull that I get at the end of the day, as long as I'm moving, I end up burning into a second wind. The interesting part is that if I'm running off of three, four hours of sleep, which is not unusual for me right now with a kid, yeah. <clears throat> if I can break that hurdle, because I like, I'm not gonna lie, like any true red-blooded American, I love like a five o'clock nap. Yeah. If yeah, you don't like it, you're not an American. I don't care. You I probably like think it. Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. <laughs> I like them, but I hate when I ha when I when I do them because then I can't sleep the n the later, like that evening I can't. <laughs> well, see, that's my problem. <clears throat> then I ended up getting three hours of sleep the next night, but it doesn't matter because I got a kid, so it's n normal. But if I break through, this is the weird part. If I break through that mold, right? The five o'clock nap. The five o'clock nap, yeah. and I push to like say eight o'clock. I get a second wind out of nowhere. Then I still can't get to sleep till like eleven thirty. <laughs> So well, it's like I almost can't even win. Well, I'm glad you're bringing that up because that's another part. That, and I and I, I found this out by listening to the the, the Foot Collective folks. Um, and it goes hand in hand really with the with the minimal footwear. Sleep is a big problem, like um, in this in this uh, country, well in the world probably. And it, like I said, it goes hand in hand with feet because feet, and an eight hours, eight hours nights rest are like the foundation of a healthy life. Like, the way this guy put it, if I told you, you would see, you'll see weight loss, you'll have more energy, you'll, uh, you'll just overall feel better, and all these different kind of things, you'll, you'll learn more, you'll be able to retain your knowledge. If I told you that was in a form of appeal, people would be buying it off the shelf left and right. But in all reality, all that comes with eight hours of sleep at night. All of those benefits. So that is bonkers. I, you know, like, well, okay, time out. Yeah. When I say that's bonkers, I do not mean that You that mean it's is just incorrect. crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about. And let me tell you something else, too. So I'm on, a, like, a weight loss journey, guys. So, like, I mean, the end of this line for me is probably going to be close to 80 pounds total. So I'm about 25 pounds away from my total. Yeah, yeah. For where I want to be at. Maybe 90. We'll see. But, like... You get into it, you exercise, but like, so just to kind of clarify what I'm saying, to lose weight, you need to basically expend more calories than you take in. There's a couple of ways you can do that. A, you can take in less calories, right? And the less calories you take in amounts to weight loss. Depending on how many less you take in will depend on, you know, how much weight you lose over time. You yeah. know, if you cut your calories, Say you're 2,000 calories a day, you take 500 out a day, you know, 
3,500 calorie, 3, calories in seven days equates to about one pound of fat. I mean, it varies from person to person, but that's a relatively good average, okay? That's pretty much standard, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, anything you expend outside of that realm, in other words, um, exercise, not being in a sedentary kind of non-mobile position, you're going to burn more calories because there is a normal caloric kind of burn that you do, which is sort of just, you know, involuntary calorie burn where you're not really doing anything. It's just like to keep you awake and running, this is how many calories you have to burn in a given period. Usually you can average this out. But the funny thing is, is like that's pretty much universally accepted. Yeah. Yet there are a myriad of diets, debates, arguments on the intricacies of this kind of thing. <laughs> I say that to say this. I have seen only short of, I mean, short of dieting, as many arguments about the way in which people should sleep. Really? Yes. Seven hours, six hours, five's fine, eight. You should really get ten. If you get ten, it'll kill you. I'm not even kidding. Like, yeah, I've heard, I've heard about if you sleep too much, it could hurt you. It could hurt yeah. you. Uh, that seven hours could kill you. That really, it's like the sweet part of seven and a half. I actually heard that you could stay up. The, the real sleep, uh, like what would be considered caveman sleep, I heard. Anytime I hear caveman, I'm like, that's definitely not what I want to do. But this is what I literally heard. Uh, caveman sleep is about two hours every four hours. Uh. Because you, you need to be mobile and you need to sleep about two hours every four hours. So that equates to something I can't remember like that yeah. kind of averages out relatively yeah. easy then I heard this one crazy thing where it's like if you can sleep for 30 minute periods four times a day you only equate two hours of sleep so you're up for 22 hours now if you do that for seven days straight that when you go drop into the 30 minute sleep your mind immediately goes to REM sleep and you're mm. actually more rested <laughs> than if you slept the full eight and that people actually can stay up for, you have, it's like apparently like a living nightmare to get to. But if you do this for seven days straight, where you're only sleeping in 30 minute increments every like what? What is that? Like every almost five and a half hours? Yeah. Uh, that like as soon as you lay hmm. down, you immediately go into REM sleep. Now you have to do this in the middle of the work day, but at the same time, it's like you'll probably take your lunch for 30 minutes and then pass out. Yeah. And then you go immediately to REM sleep and then you move up. Apparently, it's really tough to get into. But once you get into that rhythm, mm -hmm. that you actually are more rested in that a 22-hour, so four-hour, 22-hour, two-hour sleep block than if you actually did the eight hours. What I'm saying is, is that there are so, so many, many things yeah. on the table. Now, don't. Don't listen to me. I would never do that. That sounds yeah. awful. Like, I couldn't even imagine well, trying to, like, push myself to be in auto. Because you have to, the thing, the reason why it's such a nightmare is because you have to build to auto REM sleep. That is, I'd love to hear. So, if you want to hear more about sleep in general, there, there's a Foot Collective podcast episode on it where they reference this person who was on, um, uh, an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience. I think his name is Matthew Walker. He's like the, you can find him on Twitter. I think he's like either the the sleep diplomat or the ambassador of sleep or something like that. I guess he's the leading guy on sleep. And he's the one that sort of talks about all that stuff. I'd love to hear his, his thought on that because, you know, uh, one thing that he um, mentioned that I thought, you know, it sort of changed my way of thinking. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, have a nightcap you know, like some wine or something before they go to bed. Right. 
And he says that's not really what you should do because alcohol affects the way you sleep. It's a sedentary. So um, that being sedated is completely different than a sleep cycle. Like it's something completely different. So if you drink before you go to bed, you're not really going through your normal sleep cycle. You're being sedated into sleep, which is which doesn't give you the same benefits. Actually, could hurt you. But that really was a shock to me. But you know, like, I don't want to take too much from him. But um, you know, y'all would need to listen to that if you want to hear some more. Well, here's one thing. I'll, I'll say this one cool little tidbit, and I'm gonna paraphrase a lot of it. But uh, the, the main message is here. So when the first, so you know, like there was those residency hospitals, right? right. And they they run like 30 hours, 36 hours, nonstop. You know, that's the shift you're working. That all started because there was a guy who, who created the first one at Johns Hopkins. And he, he was well, he like he was renowned for being able to stay up 30, 30 hours and just, just going, 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 going. Uh, so he, st he really just out of competition started making his students do that, you know. And so it sort of become a thing. And we still do it to this day. But the real secret was they found out he, he was one of the first accidental um, uh, uh, addicts of cocaine. He was testing cocaine for different medical purposes, so he got addicted to it, and that's why he was staying up so late, huh. or why he was staying up for a day and a half. So this, these 30-hour shifts that these people are doing um, all started. It became standard, became tradition, because some guy was on crack working on people. Huh. And that's just so weird. Do they have any idea of like his body count? Oh, through malpractice? Oh, I don't know. That'd be interesting. Yeah. To see. Uh, like I said, there might be some more information I'm forgetting because it's been about a month since I listened to those two episodes. Because, like I said, the, the initial one, the one with Joe Rogan, Ma Matthew Walker, uh, he talked about a lot of stuff. And then the, the Foot Collective talked about it. And they listened to that same podcast and referenced a lot of the same stories. Um, but, 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 yeah, so sort of we chased a rabbit a little bit there. But, yeah, so me and you both have sort of gone to the minimalist, minimalist footwear. Different reasons, really. You're, you know, you're on your weight loss journey, and that's awesome. Uh, I'm not going to say I wish I could do it because I can do it. I'm just uh, actively choosing not to, I guess, because I'm lazy. But I think that, that, that there's a <clears throat> there's sort of a pragmatism into not going into it right now before the holidays. There's also a pragmatism in not going into it before, like, some heavy vacations. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, it's probably going to be more insufferable for you to deal with, like, those types of diets. Yo-yoing. Yeah. You probably actually is staunchly as I'm against and like if you guys know anything about me, I am staunchly against New Year's resolutions because it just seems like it's almost some like unless you have like really, really, really strong will or you can you can kind of push yourself beyond the the fail rate is so high because I mean it just really is. It just it just it seems like everyone I know that started a resolution you know, really, I think a resolution is to start somewhere in like June, you know, six months in. A mid-year? I mean, like, that's when I've started, most of the things I've started that are successful start between June and October. Mm. If I ever start anything in January, it's almost destined to fail. Yeah. Well, maybe because um, then everybody else fails with you. Right. Well, another thing, too, is, is like, you want to be on the path to encouraging people. You don't want to be on the path where they can encourage you to quit. And that happens a lot too, because you'll see a fail rate usually around March, 
And you got your diehards, really what I call your swimsuit edition diehards that will make it to May because it's swimsuit season and yep. then they fall off the bandwagon around June. But, uh, and this is specifically for weight loss, but like, I can tell you right now, as much as I'm against a resolution, I think really starting sometime at the end of January, maybe February, probably would be your best bet because yeah. you're going to go headlong into Thanksgiving. I think maybe <laughs> cutting back <laughs> might be not the yeah. end of the world. Yeah, but I think like, that's what I want to do. But I mean, like, you all right? Yeah, I was getting this ash off my hand. Oh. <laughs> uh, cut, cutting back might be something that would be beneficial and maybe doing yeah. some exercise, but I think any type of like really stringent diet would probably break you a little bit. Well, I'm not saying it's impossible. Because nothing's impossible, yeah. but like, it would just be miserable. Even me, well, I'm doing like, uh, you know, I calculate all my calories right now, and uh, and I meal prep, and I'm yeah. intermittent fasting, so I have an eight-hour window where I'm allowed to eat. Um, even I will drop off for Halloween, which is one of my favorite holidays, and then of course Thanksgiving, I want to have at least two days where I have to eat. Yeah. And you don't, really, you don't want to gorge, but I mean, like, I want to eat. I'm going to eat bad, too. That's just, there's just no doubt about it. Yeah. And it's hard not to gorge, because everything that is presented to me is delicious. It's delicious. Like, what? And then of course, Christmas. Yeah. I think you're right about waiting until January, because I mean, heck, going to Vietnam and coming back, I'm either going to gain 10 pounds or lose 30. Cause I'm either gonna be I'm gonna be fed fried cockroaches or some crap. <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, oh, back up, Jack. Well, I think you can get like a, what dollar pho on the side of the road. Oh yeah, yeah. I like, mean that's what's like gonna kill me. you. Yeah, yeah, the bomb might kill me. Cause like, yeah, yeah, really, I could, I, I probably that's all I'll eat probably while I'm there is bomb and pho. <laughs> I mean, crap, that's like street food and it's mm -hmm. delicious. Mm -hmm. It's like pho vendors on the street, pho. That's the hot dog vendor of Saigon. Mm. Like, it's just there. I, I, I say that like I know, but I mean, I hadn't even been there yet. But Well, I mean, you have, you have someone with prior knowledge yeah. of the stuff. Yeah. Granted, she didn't have a, she didn't, it's just a big city to her. She's like, whatever. Um, she a country girl, isn't she? Oh, yeah. She's like, I mean, my, my middle map's a little off, but I mean, she's somewhere, she's like four hours, she's from like four hours, uh, East of Saigon, and like maybe an hour, two hours, three hours from Da Nang. Hmm. So she's like up in the up in the middle. It's sort of like really the middle of, of it's southern middle, I guess. I got you. Um, but um, well, okay. Well, yeah, we yeah we we've done a lot of talking here, but <laughs> what we really, I mean, what what we don't really ever do that. We're we're gonna take a little intermission break, and we're gonna get back with you on some cool stuff about our favorite time of year, Halloween. That's right. And we back. And we back. Halloween, Halloween. So a treat. It is no shock or no surprise that um, I mean, we love Halloween. Love it. Like, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it, I mean, I grew up, like, one of the first movies I watched was Halloween. The, the 1978, he's a little old flick. 1978, a uh, little no-name director, John Carpenter. Y'all probably don't know him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that, that's one of the first movies I watched. Uh, you know, like, I remember being five watching it. And my dad sort of, he said, we're sitting there watching it, and then, the, then you know, the uh, nudity scene popped up. Eyes got covered real quick, and then they was gone. I was watching the rest of it, you know. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Halloween's just a you know, good time of the year. And 
you know, stuff that's hard not to because when you grow up in like the '90s, watching yeah. um, any type of basic cable, TBS, USA, TNT, um, AMC, AMC, they all they had were just old horror movies because mm-hmm. I mean, they're, you just show them over and over and over and over and over again all through October. And of course, if you're a real kid of the '90s. You grew up with TNT's Monster Vision with Joe Bob Briggs yep. every Friday night. Mm-hmm. And I watched that. And then when I was real young, before I even really got into like kind of what I would consider more adult television, adult film, uh, my parents would talk to me about horror movies. Like I wouldn't watch them when I was young, like three, four, but they'd tell me about horror movies. They'd be yeah. like, yeah, we saw this movie one time. I remember because... Dad told me about this movie once, and he says the scariest movie he's ever seen in his entire life. And he described this movie, and I remember thinking, like, this is awful, you know? It's my dad. So I think that anything that could possibly scare him is probably the most horrifying thing ever. And he told me about this book made of human flesh and this sword that, like, bled out the mouth. And he was talking about Evil Dead. <laughs> and I ended up running into it many years later, and I was like, this is the movie that scared my dad so badly. Like, the first, <laughs> like, the original Evil Dead. And I remember thinking like that was hilarious because there's no way that that movie was terrifying. But I mean, no. like you know, I guess if you see something like that in the '80s and it's the first time you'd ever seen it, it's probably pretty troubling. This was during the height uh, of the satanic panic, so a lot of demon stuff and you know, mixed with the '80s, mixed with the Deep South. Yeah, I'm sure that probably has some sort of toll on your psyche because probably go into a fire and brimstone situation on Sunday and then you're at the drive-in on a Saturday watching basically like a grindhouse style like horror flick you know yeah um, so I always kind of had a thing for horror of course when you come up on it like you just started developing 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 and I think by the time I was in high school I was just pretty much a full-blown yeah. fanatic yeah I mean I, I was big into the horror scene uh, you know and not not I, I I'm not gonna say I was I, I had a non-cultured taste for horror, and so like I was not well versed. I had my, I, I had my niche, my niche. I had, I, I like you know I love the Halloween movies, uh, some of the other slasher movies depending on, uh, you know depending on how well it was done and things like that. Um, you know, I what I really wasn't big into the body horror, body horror. Um, so I, like I said, I, I liked horror, but I, it was sort of limited, um, and I had older parents, so like their idea of horror was very different too. Um, so I fell out of it, like like in the, my like late college years. For some reason, I just got sort of burnt out on them, and I sort of went away from horror, with the exception of Halloween and Halloween too. Um, I still would watch those every year, but. Um, but I sort of fell out of it, and I just now recently sort of got back into it. Sort of, and I'm going back and watching some of the stuff I might have missed back in the day. Um, There's a resurgence. I noticed that, like, even horror, and it's like, <clears throat> it, it it comes in such weird waves. I don't think it ever like really goes away. Mm-hmm. But like, if you know, like, what I've noticed is that horror has sort of migrated back into television. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not saying these are the best things ever but like you know shows like American Horror Story mm-hmm. and The Walking Dead probably played, did a lot for them and um, uh, you know things like that when people just like they have a they have just a a love affair with horror the problem is is that <clears throat> as you've seen a lot um, with anything um, it 
the thrills seem to become cheaper and cheaper. Yeah. It's hard to kind of reinvigorate the genre. Uh, the last real time I saw anything that really sort of kind of spurred the horror to the forefront of my imagination was probably It Follows. Yeah. Which it didn't do a lot. Like, it still did what all good horror does, but it brought a new edge to it. It just made, I think it just reinvigorated it with a, because you gotta think about it. The slow stalking killer is like almost as ageless as yeah. you can get for modern cinema. Yeah. I mean, Frankenstein wasn't fast, Dracula wasn't sprinting around, Michael Myers, Jason. I mean, the first time it really, I mean, zombies are all shuffling. Yeah, they're like, not really running. Um, even the, in The Exorcist, I mean, she's not necessarily slow, but she's not even moving from that bed too much, you know? Yeah. Well, monsters really, the, the almost like limitations of speed create attention, but also like this idea that you could probably survive. Yeah. Really, the first time, I mean, this is not accurate at all, because in Psycho, obviously, you know, uh, Norman runs, but like uh, really the first time in modern, modern, you see like really fast uh, killers, like kind of in Scream. I mean, Kruger's yeah. not slow. Leatherface I mean, wasn't that slow. Leatherface wasn't that slow. But I mean, really, when you think of like our generation's fast, it's really Scream. Kind yeah. Of. It was like, oh wow, they're running. Like, yeah, you know, he added in a lot. I mean, you're really running. And those are good movies. Yeah, and, they're not bad. Well, and you know, they're they're sort of they're housed in the lore and the, the the fandom of Halloween and I think that lends to them being really good. I mean it, it was initially I had read that it was supposed to be more parody like it was like trying to parody the tropes of horror movies and original, the original name was going to be Scary Movie but then they changed it and then of course years later we got full-blown comedies called Scary Movie which was a parody of Scream. Yeah I mean that's uh, yeah. it's crazy how that works. But I mean like I think the thing is is like the parody between tongue-in-cheek which would have been screen, which it still had. Yeah. Oh yeah. Versus like full on like slapstick goof. Yeah. Which uh, was scary. Yeah. Which I wouldn't even consider satire. I mean, it really just was like, like a bunch of dick and fart jokes. Really. I, I remember. I don't know if I watched them all the way through in many many years, but I remember one scene, and it may not be the first one. It could have been the second one, where she's watching the movie, and the like, some somebody runs up to the door in the movie and then she gets her doorbell rings and then she opens up the door and it's the person in the movie in her door. I remember that. Oh yeah. And that was real funny to me. But um and of course the Tim Curry stuff. Mm-hmm. God. But um so, so real quick, back to what I was saying. The because <laughs> we, we really went on the side there. But it follows sort of like reinvigorated that slow ambling yeah. creep. But the thing was is that like you really were a, the difference between that is actually being alone yeah, versus being the only one that could see it. I thought that that was an interesting take. Like, yeah. Voorhees, Myers, basically they, they narrow down the playing field, but they do it individually. So they'll kill one person by themselves, and they'll kill another person by themselves. And there might be two cops, and then they kill two cops. But, you know, ultimately it's usually just a one-on-one -on -one match. Well, it follows. I mean, they were in groups of people, but only one saw it. But only yeah. one saw it, and I thought that was a pretty that was an interesting take on it, where it's like you are truly alone. However, you are surrounded with people who are your friends. Yeah, and and it took you know the biggest trope of all. You know, if you have sex in a horror movie, you die, and they made that the villain. Right. They made sex the villain, and it's like whoa. 
That's, I mean, that was a neat, neat way to twist and subvert the, the, the stuff. Yeah, that's a really good movie. I mean, but based on the evolution of horror movies, you know, I think, you know, it follow, uh, uh, I think The Conjuring's a pretty good, you know, for the time that it came out and the type of horror movies that were coming out. You know, it follows is more has that more indie feel to it. Well, I think it is an independent film, um, but mm -hmm. you know, I think uh, I think. Well, that guy only has like I think at the time one other credit to his name, which was the Myth of the American Sleepover, which is a super independent, like kind of almost sixteen candles meets like Wes Anderson meets. You know, it's very like really indie, very specific genre related kind of material. Mm. Um, not like a tongue-in-cheek, like, it's the 80s, meets Virgin Suicides, you know, it's like a Sofia Coppola, John Hughes movie, mm. you know, sorry, there's a lot of uh, genre bending, but like, his second credit is It Follows, and that that is another teen, you know, centric movie, but man, he really nails it. Yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think, like I said, I think it's all, it, it like you said, reinvigor reinvigorated what a lot of us 80s and 90s kids enjoyed about the slasher films of that time period. Right, and it wasn't even that big of a slasher. No, it wasn't. It just it gave you the feeling of it, though. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that was just weird. Um, but you know, like again, more modern movies like The Conjuring is, you know, pretty good. Insidious has, you know, has its moments. Um, I, you know, I thought Sinister was good for being a jump scare type movie. It was good. Um, I mean, it relied on them, but it, it it got you involved. The irony with Sinister is it didn't have to rely on them. There were moments that were really unnerving, and I feel like the whole experience was cheapened by the fact that they tried to do these boo scares on yeah. it. Yeah, and what? I'm not, I'm very susceptible, so I'm not saying like, oh, they don't bother me. They really do because, but the thing is, is like I always describe people are like, oh, you're jumpy, and I'm like, yeah, but I mean, if someone shot a gun over my head, I'd probably jump. Like yeah. it's just like I, I don't get, particularly oof. like that. I don't like like this tension, 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 which is fine. That's always wonderful. But then dead silence with an indiscriminate amount of time for them to have like basically a howitzer to go off. Yeah. <laughs> like it's insane. Well, you know, really saying that they're cheap, really, I mean, it's true because if you, a jump scare, it scares you and it's over. Like the scare does not last with you. Whereas like with The Conjuring to me, what lasts with me was the way that um, the wife looks when she's all demonized and possessed. Mm -hmm. That stays with you, you know. It's unsettling. There's another movie that came out uh, last year, I think, called Ghost Stories. It's an anthology. Oh yeah. I think you can watch it on Hulu if you got that right now. That's probably the. It's a. It's a. This is complicated. I really liked it, but then it sort of drops off towards the end. But like, man, that is one of definitely the first two setups in that film. Man, like there were like moments where I was really uh, not yeah. a lot of jump scares either. I don't think there really were any. There might have been one, two, or something. Might have been like, like a lead up to one. There was it, a couple. It, I think actually there were a couple of jump scares, but dang, it doesn't matter because they were so. It was so. I was dreading every moment. Yeah. Like, oh, it was rough. There was some. Did you watch it? You yeah. watched it? I watched the first one. I didn't watch the other two. That movie was rough. There's some man. good cinematography in the first one, too. Like, just that the. That first one where he, like, because you know, you like everything, but. And so it's one of those situations where. For the first time in a long time, most of the time when I'm watching something, I want the person, you know, 
in distress to do the stupid thing because really and truly at a certain point, and especially in slasher films, you sort of, you know, ironically root for the villain. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, you're pulling Uh, for him. Especially in Jason movies, you really want You really do. And and Freddy. Yeah. But in this film, you really like, oh, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you're stop. Like, Why you need you to stop. What are you doing, this, you man? Do- like, this is not... Because no one is really negative, you know? They're just normal people having to... Go, a lot of them having to do, like, essentially their job. Yeah, if they don't do their job, they're getting fired. Right, you know? and then you're like, oh, don't do this. It'd just be better just to get fired. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, oh, and, like AI, well, I hated that because it, it puts the, the pressure of work yes. and livelihood up against, like... Literal live living. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I hate those moments. Oh man, I'm just. I like, mean, they're good. They're great because it puts you on the edge. But I mean, I don't think I have rooted for a character not to do something that I considered stupid as much in as forever. It. I mean, most of the time I'm just like, yeah, go into that room by yourself. Yeah, ha, ha, yeah, ha. Yeah. Or do this. Ha ha ha. I don't care. But, but this. But guy. this one, I was just like, hey man, like seriously, you really want to rethink going into that room like yeah. I would really rethink this yeah yeah like get out of there right now but uh, one movie and uh, that I had not seen until this year well there's a lot that I had not seen until this year so like I said earlier I had a very a very um, narrow window of horror that I was a big fan of when I was younger so I'm you know I, I, and of course I, I got a you know shutter and I've been watching some Joe Bob um, on, on Shudder and, uh, you know, watching some stuff I had not seen before, like uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original Hills Have Eyes, um, uh, what was one of them, um, Tourist Trap. I really loved Tourist Trap. And I recommend you guys watch, if you got Shudder, it's really cheap, get yeah. that and watch The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Riggs because, oh, like, the dude is a scholar. He knows. I love that when he opens up Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he's like, y'all gonna hate me by the end of this because he's like, I know way too much about this movie. Like, but I've actually seen him lecture, and it's amazing. Like, I got to meet him. I mean, he's pretty much one of my heroes. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, if he comes back to Chattanooga, I think in their film festival in April. Yeah. We should grab tickets and go. Oh yeah, we definitely should go. Because I mean, I feel like you you sort of you're now initiated into that. Yeah. That was one of those like weird kind of private things because people are like, you went to see this guy? Like, I haven't heard of, I haven't thought about Monster Vision. Uh, in years, you know, and I was like, well, I mean, I've been a fan for so long. I mean, I don't know how you couldn't. I mean, like, this guy basically informed most of my B-movie watching. Yeah. Well, it's funny, when you mentioned that you went to go see him, when you did, I was like, I don't know who that is. And then after getting Shudder this month and and watching it, nostalgia kicked in. And I I remember watching that with my uncle. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing that and... um, and so, and then I was like, okay, I know who you're talking about, uh, but I wasn't really a fan. I mean, because I didn't know. Well, at kid. the time, I mean, you sort of. The weird thing about Joe Bob is like I couldn't. I, I I could only tell you like one anecdotal thing he'd ever said from Monster Vision because I was really more into watching films. I I would watch for the drive-in totals, and then ultimately, I didn't care. Yeah. Like I just wanted to see whatever he was showing because he showed interesting things to me. Yeah. Granted, they were edited pretty severely because it was cable. Yeah. But like. All I wanted to do was watch the film, right? Yeah. It wasn't until later that I realized that this guy had, I mean, much later, guys, like much later, that I realized that his things that he was saying actually had a little bit more 
It was highbrow considering that it was lowbrow. It's kind of a confusing thing. Because <laughs> he's like, like, he's Texas. He's, he is. He's super Texas. Yeah, yeah. So you sort of appreciate the things that he's bringing to the table in between, sort of like yeah. the bumpers in between the film and the commercials. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after that, I was like, you know, kind of hooked. And then, uh, you know, I got the opportunity to go see him and meet him. He's really cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's one thing I've been, like when I've been watching some of these movies, a lot of times in some of the movies I've watched, um, uh, I'm more interested in getting to that commercial break mm-hmm. to hear what he has to say than I am the movie sometimes. And, you know, my fiance comes walking in, she goes, well, you've been watching a lot of weird stuff lately. And she ain't even talking about the movie. She's talking about him on the screen just talking. Mm-hmm. But, you know, nonetheless, I mean, it's good. But uh, what I was getting to, we sort of got sidetracked there. Oh, sorry, I, I do that. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's the nature we, we're going to change this uh, show's name to Sidetracked. <laughs> but um, one movie... Papa Sides. <laughs> one movie that I had never seen, and it, like, it is like one of my top favorite now when it comes to... Because okay, before I tell you what it is, used to, my, my go-to was I'd watch Halloween early, like the first week of October, because right. it sort of gets you ready. Like it gets you in that Halloween mood, and you, you know everything's starting to smell good, it's getting colder. It's just crazy, and it's like, yes, Halloween. And then on Halloween night itself, or the night before Halloween, I watch Halloween too, um, just because I'm one of the I'm one of the minorities that more than night he came home. I don't know how you're a minority. That is a great movie. Well, I know, but like I love Halloween too. But I, I literally could, you know, the only thing we screwed up this year is if I had more time, I would have loved to have done a weekly just to go a play by play of all the movies we're watching right now. Oh, it would have been great. That would have been the best. But I don't even think we'd talk about tobacco. You guys are probably like, where's the pipe talk? Yeah. But this is what you're getting. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> We're smoking Howl of the Wind in a <laughs> fern down pipe and a uh, General MacArthur. There you go. There's your tobacco talk <laughs> for the day. We'll, we promise we'll get more on track <laughs> as things progress. But, yeah, it would have been great to to sort of, you know, do that. But, wait, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, so that's how I would do it. I, I, would, do, I would watch Halloween 2. Um, night before. Yeah. I, I don't want to sidetrack this, so we're going to come back to Halloween too, because I, I, I'm tired of putting off the audience about this. The movie, and it was recommended by a friend at work who has great taste in movies. It's called Trick or Treat I'll is the name of the movie. I don't, so what this is really, you guys don't know, is this, this, that was a very, I knew it was coming too. That's the thing, like he wasn't even, he wasn't even hiding it. Like no, he I wasn't subtle. That was a very long-winded <laughs> setup to Listen, a I'm joke. Irish. We're not subtle with no, our hellos. We're I'm subtle pretty, with our goodbyes. I guess so. <laughs> that was a super setup joke at my expense. I had mentioned this. Not to me. I don't think you have. It's just like every Letter year. Kitty. Every year Halloween comes around, and, and Patrick can tell you, like I'm like a junkie when it comes to horror oh, movies yeah. and Halloween. As you guys probably have heard. And every year they always ask me, like, what is your kind of go-to film for Halloween? This is on Halloween Day, so this Thursday, you know, yeah. I will be watching Trick or Treat. And I say it every year. I watch Trick or Treat. It's my favorite Halloween movie. It's it's an anthology, and it's wonderful. It's so good. And I tell people all the time to watch specific movies, and no one listens. <laughs> and then we get another guy to come into work, and, like, everyone everyone sort of, you know. Well, it's, you, the, it's the minimalist footwear yeah, guy. Yeah, it's the minimalist footwear guy. He's a good dude. He's got good taste. As a matter of fact, I, I, he's 
He's interesting because I don't know anyone who really aligns with me music-wise until I met him. I was actually shocked. He, he would say, like, oh, you listen to this? I'm like, yes. You listen to this? Yes. I didn't know you liked the same music he does. Yeah. Uh, minus, like, Tool. Tool. <laughs> uh, and, and I probably should give Tool another go, but, like, I mean, I like Radiohead. I like Interpol. I like a lot of, like, post-punk stuff. Yeah. So it's weird he's bringing up these bands that I really admire. I can never get anyone to kind of, like, fall in line with the things that I like to listen to. So anyway, it's peculiar. But the point is, is that we're a very inclusive group. So someone's opinion is sort of like this new frontier of thought that everyone kind of grasps onto and everyone sort of collectively does things. Uh, I always like equate it to, it's called the new old girlfriend. Like there's always something that uh, a new or old girlfriend imparts onto you that you will not abandoned for the rest of your life. I put my keys in my back pocket because of an ex-girlfriend. I play <laughs> video games uh, in, in ones in which you can play good or bad as the good guy first because then her, as her theory was, if you play good all the way through, then you know how evil you can actually make it the second time mm. through. So now I play like that. So there's these weird things that like exes have imparted on me. Just like when we introduce a new employee, they impart a certain amount of philosophy or their own personal experience on us. So everyone flocks to this guy for film <laughs> recommendations and everyone's like, hey Zach, have you seen Trick or Treat? Hey Zach, have you seen Trick or Treat? I'm like, yes, for years I've seen Trick or Treat. You know, extolling its majesty, like saying that it's the Halloween greatness and no one listened. And now all of a sudden he comes around and he's like, oh, that's the greatest Halloween movie I've ever seen. I've only been talking about it for six years. <laughs> Probably longer than that. I mean, it is a really good, like, you know, it, it's a really good, because it does, it does a lot of subverting in a way like there's, there's a, a lot, lot of subversion it does a lot of like you not know, too much jump scares right no not too many really not really any no uh maybe like that last kind of yeah that last uh, little, story but yeah. like it kind of subverts expectations there's a lot of tip of the hats there are moments that it does feel derivative but it turns it, it turns back on itself there are tropes that are homaged um but ultimately, it's just, it's really fun. It kind of reminds me of the old creep show films, which, if you didn't know, Shudder also reinvigorated uh, yeah. creep show. Uh, Greg Nicotero, who's a great FX guy, uh, has, has, has set it up. He does, he's directed and he's done all the makeup for The Walking Dead. He's worked on pretty much every single Quentin Tarantino movie, I think, from like Dust Till Dawn on. I know Dustin Dawn was directed by Robert Rodriguez, but Tarantino did star and wrote it, so, you know, yeah, get off me. It, it's still, yeah. It still has, like, his fingerprints on it. So this guy has, like, the pedigree. I mean, he worked on old Romero zombie films. I mm. think he was even on set for the first creep show. So this guy has the pedigree, and he, he's sort of reinvigorated this sort of anthology. The first episode anthology. was real good. I watched it. I really enjoyed it. I mean, because it kind of has, like, a Lovecraftian sort of oh, yeah. set up to it. But you guys, I mean, like... Definitely check that out. But I mean, like back on Trick or Treat, I mean, Trick or Treat probably one of the closest to perfect because the, the way they intercut things. So you, you'll need to, the reason you need to watch it every year is because you, you do catch things every single time. Yep. Uh, the stories tend to cross. Yeah, that's the part that really sucked me into it the, that I love about it is that it is four or five individual stories, but the characters sort of go in and out of each story and it like it doesn't tell one story and then go to the next 
it sort of weaves them in. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's just really good. Um, it's, it, it is enough modern, but enough old school that I think it, it, sh it really should be probably one of the best Halloween movies of all time. Because if you're fans of Halloween, you're gonna like it. And if you're fans of the more modern crap, like, um, not crap, like it's Happy Death Day was, excuse me, decent. Uh, and it was fun. But if you if you like Halloween, but you also like stuff like Happy Death Day, you're gonna love it. Cause and, I think and, it, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good movie, Happy Death yeah, Day. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I didn't dislike it, naturally. No, but you know, it's just like, if you like old and you like modern, Trick or Treat really hits you, hits it on, on the head. Um, and that's, that's like a 2010, 2011 movie? Or something uh, like that? I think, that's, I think it's older than that. Oh, seven maybe? I think, Actually, I think it, so Trick or Treat had a very weird situation happen. It was that. in development for a while, wasn't it? It was in development hell for a while. Yeah. Um, the movie was filmed, and then it was going to be released, then it got pushed, and then it got pushed again, and then I think it got pushed again, mm -hmm. and then two years later, they just directly released it to DVD. It never saw any theatrical release. Really? So it almost hamstringed one of the most perfect Halloween movies ever. Uh, it really did go through like a nightmare scenario where like it was many, it was like a much longer. So it, it might not have been. So oh one was the ring, which is the ring and Super Troopers came out pretty close together. And the reason I bring those two up is because Brian Cox is in those two movies. Yeah. And then Brian Cox did, of course. For those of you who don't know, Brian Cox is in Trick or Treat. Also, Brian Cox, for those of you who don't know, a little trivia, he was the first Hannibal Lecter. Oh, really? Yes, he was. Huh. Before Anthony Hopkins, uh, Brian Cox was Hannibal Lecter in, um, I think it's called Manhunter or Mindhunter. It's, oh. I think it's Manhunter, uh, which is essentially the first Red Dragon. That's the reason why, because people don't realize it, was, it goes Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, and then and the Hannibal. Yeah. Um, people think Silence of the Lambs is actually the first film. Really and truly, the reason they didn't make Red Dragon or Manhunter uh, first is because it had already been made. Yeah. And they went right into Science of the Lambs and they recast Hopkins as, you know, um, Hannibal Lecter. But Brian Cox originally yeah. was Hannibal Lecter. And if you still are sort of wondering who this person is, I guess if you're more my age, he's Stryker from the X-Men. That's a good uh, X That's where I know him from. Like, anytime I see him in a movie, I go, oh, he's from X-Men. Mm -hmm. Which I think he showed up in X-Men 2, the second one. But I do not know why that thing went into development hell. I know it was like an 06, 07 movie, but it got pushed back because I didn't see it really until 08. Mm. And then I, or 07 or 08. So yeah. it might have been 05. I knew it was like two years well, before it, before, I remember because I saw a trailer, I was like, that looks interesting. Yeah. And then didn't hear anything about it for years. Well, it, it does, okay, I'd have to go back. So uh, the first X-Men, the girl that plays Rogue, she's in this movie. She and I cannot remember. She has a gap in her teeth in this movie, and it, I mean, it's. I think it's real. Like it's not. It's fake. a real. Yeah, it's a real gap. And I don't know if she had a gap in the first X Men movie. They and that have, came out in a one. They might have. They might have fixed it. Well, that's what I'm saying. If X Men came in a one, then this would have been before that. If she, but I, I, I want to say she had a gap in the first X Men, and then slowly didn't have one, th throughout the series. Hmm. But I don't. Well, she sort of came into it. See, this movie definitely would have probably came out before the, because she was also I can't remember her name, but she was in True Blood. 
Yeah. That's I never watched I, because I heard it was. I've never watched it. It's just I heard it was really over the top for no reason. Like yeah. like very soap opera meets vampire meets like. Almost like it should have been on CW. <laughs> kind of, except way more violent. Yeah, more gory, know. more violent. A lot of people were obsessed with it. That's kind of the sort of like to me, True Blood. Those types of shows were really like what led into Game of Thrones because it really just up the sexual kind of tension up the sort of violent you mean it that's what led into the the popularization of game of thrones enough to be made into a show I a think, show like that i think so there was a show back in the maybe late 90s early 2000s called the shield yeah and the shield's not really anything spectacular looking back on it except that you have to understand what the shield was when it came out like that was the grittiest craziest cop show that had ever come out. It was a guy that ended up playing the thing. Yes. Yeah. And it was that was a crazy show. But yeah. like looking back now, I mean like it's like, well what is this? What is this? No one really cares. You gotta understand, the shield happened so you guys are allowed to see things like Breaking Bad. Yeah. True Blood is another one of those things where it's like they upped this kind of ante and then added in the genre element. And that is essentially what leads to yeah. Game of Thrones. You don't get genre like Game of Thrones. Now, I'm not even really a fan, but I'm just saying, like, you don't get to that level just overnight. There is a yeah. lot of specific demographic observation that happens that leads to those kinds of shows. Because if you're going to do drama, it most of the time is true crime. Right. And, it, and to be able to take that and, like you said, put a genre on it, I mean, it, it takes a fan, it takes a... It takes a network willing to invest money in it, which first needed a fan base to, to say we want that. And you got to think, too. I mean, like, you're talking about True Blood is, what, a decade, maybe two yeah. decades after, you know, the Anne Rice boom of the 90s, 80, oh, late 80s, yeah. early 90s, where it's, like, over-sexualized, vampiric kind of activity mm -hmm. in Louisiana with Lestat and all that stuff, you know, yeah. like, where it's, like, almost pornography. To a certain extent, and uh, you know, I mean, what is an interview with a vampire with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise? I mean, that you look at that was like '94. Yeah. You know, and then you're looking at like you know, 2004. So about a decade later, which really a decade is too soon for something to be re-re-released. Yeah. You're looking at True Blood. So, you know, that is, it's actually kind of risky. But I guess maybe they thought they still had some of that Anne Rice fandom, and I guess they did because the show lasted quite a bit. Yeah. But True Blood. Um, CW sort of had their own CW vampire had day. their own sort of thing. Well, later. Yeah, later. But uh, trying to cash in on it. But I mean, like, if you look at True Blood, you look at Twilight. Oh, uh, what is that? Uh, <laughs> Twilight, yeah, definitely happened around that. What was that thing that that was that show about the killer? Dexter. Yeah. A lot of those shows, like, sort of, I think, gave rise to like, like, sort of like weird genre things. Yeah. Kind of like, because I mean, really, True Blood is. What I, from what I gather, is a soap opera wrapped in vampire. Just like any great genre really is something else wrapped in the veneer of something yeah. else. Dexter really is like a crime crime show wrapped in a serial killer. Yeah. You know, so. I've heard great things. I've never watched it, but I've heard good things about it. It has its moments. First season, you, if you watch the first season and quit, you'd be fine. Mm. See, I... Any good show to me is a show that you could watch the first season and quit. Even if the show gets better, 
or even if the show has great other seasons. If you can watch the first season and right. end it, I think that's a pretty good show. I feel like it didn't really have a good... The, it, it was a diminishing return kind of mm. thing, where it's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, by the third season, you've really given up. Like, it's, I mean, to me, as far as Dexter's concerned, I, I just didn't care after that. It's like you, you, you're you invested with the characters, but the story doesn't, doesn't you know, do anything for you anymore. Yeah. But, um, but no, yeah, so... You know, really, not really to, to wrap it up too quickly, but just to say, you know, Halloween's a good time of the year. You know, the um, we might—I thought we might get into a little bit of the history of it, but um, that—that's that, we'd be here all night. We really would. Be. Um, I think we're already kind of rolling into an hour, and I'm sort of at the end of this bowl. Yeah, I am too. So, you know, uh, there's really—we might do like a little catch-up. You know, if we start doing this monthly. Might mm-hmm. do a little catch up, be like, you know, hey, we didn't get to it this last episode, we'll get to it now. But oh, sh- uh, before we wrap up, uh, I want to shout out to all the, I guess, listeners that have stuck around. Yeah. <laughs> I know we got a message from Bruno, which really sparked all this. Uh, shout out to Bruno. Yeah, shout he, out, man. Thank you. Yeah, kind of reminding us that we had obligations. obligations. <laughs> so um, We do like doing this. It's just been trying with all these different family and uh, personal and just really growth but I mean I, I don't think I think that there's a little kind of shaking off the rust yeah uh, we are still sort of everywhere I don't think I think when you sort of tune into our podcast you're really not expecting anything other than a, like quite an extensive amount of rambling with some tobacco up front it's mm. honestly the name is it's almost a little misleading. Every once in a while, we get really de- in depth yeah. into tobacco, but like I think after this long extended period of time, I think we had a lot to talk about. Yeah, and this time of year, we just had things to say. So well, specifically about the the genre of film and the the season itself. But yeah, before we go, can't can't stress this enough. You should get Shutter and watch the last the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. That's right. If you are a fan of horror. That's right. And if you want to know more about the goings on about the film that you're watching. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I do, I'm, I, I love research. Well, I mean, I think his commentary is pretty much spot on, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely check that out on Shudder. But uh, with that being said, everyone have a happy Halloween, and uh, you Be know, safe. always give a treat. Don't get tricked. No, don't get tricked. But, all right, y'all have a good one. See ya. This has been a Pipecast production. And we hope to see you at the next full bowl.